Hey y'all, welcome back to Erase the State. It's Maddie K here. We have a very special guest today, the one and only Mr. Donnie Gebert. Donnie, how's it going, man? All right, Maddie. How are you? I'm doing very well. Doing very well. How are you? Uh, how are you holding together there with the uh, the quarantine on and all that? Yes, Corona free. I hope. <laughs> no coughs, right? No no dry coughs. Mm-hmm. So, Donnie, I wanted to have you on because I've heard you on several other larger, more important podcasts than my own. Um, and it seems you have a very interesting proposal to, I guess, help us decentralize this whole fucked up government that we have. So can you tell me a little bit about your plans and, and how you see something like that implemented? For, for the record, I invented legal social distancing. <laughs> So basically, this was all my idea. Um, everybody needed to take a time out, and the government has provided us with that. And I think we all need to take a minute and realize the government needs to go. And th that's kind of a longer discussion, but the, the fundamental problem is that everyone's government, it doesn't matter where it is, is in one spot. It's centralized. Everybody's looking towards their state capital or their federal capital. And that one place has entirely too many uh, enterprises run out of that spot. There's no reason that the government should have monetary policy and roads and defense and uh, welfare. Uh, there's no reason for one group of people to have supposedly so many skills to be able to run all that competently. So that's really what's happening here is the government demonstrates how bad they are at doing everything by not really specializing in anything. Sure. So rather than leave it as it is, everyone becomes their own senator. And, and that's kind of ra rather than have representation, which is the worst, just the worst. You know, it's the biggest fraud surface. It's where all the money disappears. Rather than pretending that's a necessary facet of the situation, everyone would, you know, basically log in as your own senator. But because you're logging in as your own senator, instead of everyone logging in and fighting over one bucket of funding, you just put the money in the bucket that you want it in. And that's basically a much better way of who's going to get what, how's it going to get paid for, and what does this all look like when we are not intentionally given a system that controls everything from a centralized point and then we see how it all works out. So I guess, can, can you walk me through how you think we might get to that, that arrangement? So how do we go from what we have today? What, what, is the, what is the first step to get us there? So this is functionally software that has to be assembled. I mean, but the organizational relationship here is we have a government. It does X, Y, A, A through Z. And all of the, we're, we're just going to limit it to 26 enterprises. Of those 26 enterprises, most people do not want to see the government involved in 20 of them. So rather than pretending everyone should be horned into all 26 of these things being done proper or, you know, uh, all 26 of these really difficult enterprises get funneled through Washington. Rather than that, you take one of them away and say, this is obviously a free market thing, and we will reform this one thing, call it education, and then the government won't be involved in it anymore. So now the government only does, does A through Y. They don't do A through Z anymore. Well, when you start taking one thing away because a group of people think this shouldn't be a political thing and you just solve it along the enterprise environment factors, be it roads or, um, you know, the kind of regulations that, the, that people think the government is supposed to do are, are really just called industry best practices. And anything that's done financial shouldn't have a middleman anyway. So all the regulations that you think you're getting in the middle that are protecting you are really just funneling all of your economic activity in, again, through the one ring that rules them all. And, and when you really start ripping this apart, you find out the, the whole government just exists to take everyone's economic activity and funnel it into one place. So <clears throat> to, 
to we already have this one government. What happens is we enable the concept of individual secession. The reason the reason individual secession fails is through lack of coordination. So we coordinate a second government. And basically the first government says, we understand that there's a situation where a bunch of people are unhappy. The second layer of government will just exist outside of it. So you kind of have an apolitical party on, with all of your other political parties. And the apolitical party acts like a black hole and everybody just jumps into that one. So what happens when you jump into that one? You don't you don't get any taxes taken out anymore of anything unless it's like a sales tax. So you can choose not to shop there, but you don't pay taxes anymore, but you don't get any services anymore either. So you take your land deeds off of the other register and you're individually sovereign and you now trade that land deed uh, individually. So you don't have a legal system anymore. You don't have any of these systems. Well, what does it look like when nobody's paying for the roads anymore? You know, who pays for that? So the merchants have to pick up how the roads get paid locally. And then if we're, you know, a some kind of America's so big, if we're going to have the, you know, continent sized organization, it's probably not going to be for roads. It's probably just going to be for defense. And you start scaling all those individual operations to where they belong. The only one that I can see that it belongs on a Washington, D.C. scale is defense, defense of the North American landmass. Everything else that falls out of there is mostly what people don't understand was just economically channeled into there before we were born. And now we're just trying to figure out how to not be Flintstones in the Jetsons world. We have to figure <laughs> out how those systems work instead of just relying on the Constitution and our forefathers and the idea that this was all that we're just supposed to trust someone that we've never met before and that it'll all work out okay. So is this something that you see functioning within the current framework of the Constitution or is this going to require a host of amendments or, or, is, or does it require blowing up the current Constitution and starting a new one or writing a new one? So I originally came up with this as basically I was I, like, a, you know, I was military intelligence. So this is supposed to run as a special forces mission against a government that doesn't want it to happen. And the goal is regime change. But the goal is not to have my like, you know, when the United States performs regime change, when they're done, the goal is to have a friendly to the United States regime. Well, I am only trying to solve the organizational problem of the people in that particular geography. I am not trying to leave it in a particularly friendly state to me. It's supposed to be in a friendly state to the inhabitants. So rather than go in and teach a population how, am, how to you know, basically become infantrymen that then overthrow their government, I am going to train you like Walter Block how would you solve all the individual coordination problems of all of those individual taskings? Who's going to take up your roads if you don't have a government? The merchants will take up the roads. Who's going to take up defense? Individuals um, you know, tend to volunteer for defense, but defense is a, they're, they're, police provide your local property and individual defense, but they don't do any of that very well. And it's just not be, the system is not set up. Like you don't blame cops for that. The system is just garbage at defending your property. You're the person who's supposed to defend your property. You defended another layer of it with insurance. But if you've ever reported stuff to cops, they're, they're not bringing your stuff back. 99% of the chance you're never getting your stuff back. Right. So you, you look at individual tasks. How does this basically what is a property problem of some kind and how does the puzzle of that property work? And then you have a legal system and how, what legal system should you have? And, and the truth is there's lots of different ways to do a legal system. I shouldn't choose what you get. I should show you a system that says Andrew Napolitano is going to provide your adjudication services. Alan Dershowitz is going to provide your adjudication services. So everybody gets to pick who's going to get who's going to solve their legal issues. But we all do have to come together on some basics. And, and that's a, it's a minimum viable product, social contract. And everybody signs the bottom. It's not founding father signing the bottom. What are you going to agree to? 
no murder, no rape, no steal. It, it's basic human and property harms. It's, it's a minimum viable product. <clears throat> People think you need a, you know, uh, for a right to free speech. The manner in which all of you know rights are presented to people, the whole concept is fallacious. There are people who will they will say this out loud. You cannot abrogate human rights. They will say that, and they and it, that is an ideological stance. And, and I really would like a world where when anyone says something like that, you can punch them in the face immediately. Because they need that instant reminder that the nonsense that just came out of their face hole has nothing to do with the terrain in which they inhabit. You know, people, you know, talking, they call it talking out of your ass, but it's really, it's your head having no connection to your ass whatsoever. And now you're just going to start floating stuff out there as if that's how it will work now. Oh, it, it just doesn't. So when all of the adults are not ta taught government eighth grade civics, they're taught a special forces mission on civics. You actually teach people on how to solve those things. I don't know how to solve everything in Iowa and in Florida because they have different groups of people around there. And they also have you know, there's different customs, but then there's just different problems. Different terrain in different areas is not solved in the same way. Walter Block knows how to solve it in all of the ways, but he knows he doesn't solve it in all of the ways everywhere. He solves it in one way in one place and in one way another. And I'm getting tired of all the politicians describing the acts that they believe should happen in the public sphere when in reality they can't do any of that. They're just getting everyone emotionally involved, keeping them stupid to the process and then not doing any. You know, they don't perform the organization and the coordination, but they'll keep fomenting all of the, the, the demagoguery in the middle. So you mentioned this would end up functioning, I guess, or it would become more like the, the actual social contract, not, not the one that people think that we have in place today. What would you say or what would happen if, you know, this, this gets implemented, we, we move down the road towards this direction? Um, and there are holdouts to the old system or some other system that, that didn't want to be involved here but didn't necessarily want to move. Um, how, would, how would populations like that be handled or how do you see that? Uh, can, they, can they still coexist with, with your plan or right. does it have to be completely separate? The, the reason, there, there's no reason that, that two federal systems couldn't exist. And if you think about it, you have a federal, a state, a county, and a city law, if you want to think about it in that. They all overlap anyway. Excuse me. They all overlap. So if they're going to overlap like that anyway, there's no inherent geographical component to law. So to say that um, there are places in Texas where Texas and Louisiana are just one arm length away. You sh if, if you get shot right here, a Texas cop responds. If you get shot over here, a Louisiana cop is supposed to respond. That doesn't have any, like, that's just one line. Now, if you imagine everyone like that, you wouldn't think <clears throat> you have one house in Texas and one house in Louisiana, and then the next house on the same street is in California. You wouldn't necessarily think that. But there's really no reason that those individual property lines cannot function in, le in different legal adjudication systems as long as that all of the ones that are relevant to that property line are um, copacetic. There's a Venn diagram between these two systems where you and your, you know, you and your neighbor, you have that Venn diagram. You don't need all of the all of the Texas doesn't have to be in the same legal, you know, land adjudication system as your house. So it sounds really complicated because it doesn't come with a map that says this area is Texas and this area is New York. It comes with a globe and it says this is the North American landmass and your household is, you know, is these uh, grid coordinates right here on the North American landmass. And it's part of the, North, the Andrew Napolitano legal network. There's no America. There's no Canada. There's no Mexico. There's just now. Well, it does make, um, again, we go back to defense, you, you know, this, the southern border of this country isn't, you know, they say it's porous. The economy of the North American landmass doesn't care that a bunch of people in Washington, D.C. 
drew on a map. That's, that's just not how all of this shit works on the ground. That's the nonsense that we're taught in school about how your civics class overrides economics and you don't get an economics class. No, that's not how any of that works. We don't get the economics class and then we get bullshit. That's how it works. And we have to learn the difference. You know, Georgia, George Patton said, Mixed forti- uh, fixed fortifications are monuments to man's stupidity. That does not change when it becomes a political issue and a border wall. It does not change that. It's a stupid idea because you don't use military barriers to fix economic problems. So you really have to understand, you know, Walter Block is the puzzle master on all of it. You just have to redo your own eighth grade civics lesson and and not pretend that the central authority knows how to do all this. How do these with, you know, and it's, it's kind of hard to break a paradigm, right? So even though I don't agree with the current system, this is the system that I've been, you know, I've had beat into me for the past 30 plus years. So um, what does this look like functionally? And I may have already kind of asked that in a different way, but I mean, this is not something that's written down on a piece of paper and enshrined in some, some monument in a capital city somewhere, right? So are you enforcing this by, you know, I guess to, to borrow terms from, from the crypto space, or are you enforcing this by smart contracts or is it, you know, like a, person-to-person, case-by-case scenario? So when you start looking at levels of enforcement, think of uh, mixing Uber, the concept of Uber or Lyft, and then security. And when you think security, think, um, I want to make sure I get his name right because I screwed up, Dale Brown, Threat Management Center in... Mm -hmm. In Detroit. So you have human beings who know how to perform security acts because they're trained and they know how, and they just show up happy helpers. It's like Uber, only security. And there's a lot of people that would think you would need um, you need certifications for that. I, I agree that certifications are a good idea, but when you're, you know, don't you could think of it like security, but you can also think of it like you need someone to help you uh, do groceries. So the concept of Uber really breaks down. What is decentralization? It's a random stranger that you can give ten dollars to to help, and they will show up and they for ten dollars, and that's it. And when you need security, you're thinking that your tax dollars are going to get you an honest, trustworthy human being, and those days are gone. So why not take the understanding of, yeah, I'm probably better to be on a map where a bunch of people are volunteering to show up to help. You know, when you, when you open up your app and you see a bunch of black cars or, or pink car, you know, I use Lyft, I don't use Uber. So all the cars are on there. They'll show you where they are. Well, you would see security people and they would be all around you. So there are some people who say, oh, if you're wounded and you're calling for help, you know, you might be calling a wolf instead of a helper. Oh, okay, but, you know, you're calling the wolf. Also, you're calling 10 other sheepdog. So if you, if you use this like Uber where they assign someone to you, then it, you might have to volunteer is what I'm saying. Someone will, someone will say, I'm looking for security, and then you will respond and say, I am, I am available. So now you'll be available and in the area and, and you'll hit that. You can also do this like a panic button installed in a neighborhood watch. So, you know, you, you're, uh, you're, the panic button on your phone would cost you $25 to use. So, so thinking of 911 services having a cost, but then it would alert everyone in, you know, within 10 houses of you and you're all in the same neighborhood watch. That kind of thing. You you require your security to be kind of local anyway. So there's ways to work around it, but the idea that we're all entitled to cops, we're not. And the the idea that cops were always good, like I'm certain that people have been helped by cops over the years. I'm not shitting on cops all the time. But then you see what happens in certain – the the Florida incident where the guy was shot through the side of the truck – like there were several cops, not one of them decided to not fire through the side of a truck when there's a hostage in there. 
that this is not the help you want. That guy didn't need that kind of help. The kind of help that the hostage, the, the, the hostage taker put that UPS driver in less harm than the cops did. I know that's dumb, but that's how it worked out. So yeah. the, the cops showed up to, to help them all to death is the problem. The cops showed up immune. At which point the definition of help is no longer relative to what's going on on the scene. So at a certain point, the system is dumb and it's not run by adults. It's both. And if we can sit here and blame sinister politicians, and that really is really is the real problem. But if the system is dumb, it doesn't matter because you can have dumb people messing the whole thing up. Half of the people in Washington are stooges who will vote yes. And the other ones know that all the yes votes are going to get them where they need to go. And so we just need to root the trouble out. And it's not that hard. Believe it or not, Walter Block figured out how to do this a long time ago. It's just that he knows how to do the property lines. Well, David Friedman knows how to do the legal lines. So you take the, you know, you take the work, you know, 40, it took 40 years for David Friedman and Walter Block to do what they did. Now you take all those years of work and you mix them together with a blockchain and you get an awful lot of decentralized networks that function for your government, but they don't actually have a centralized person around them. And that person is just a fraud service anyway. So you don't really want that centralization. All the centralization you want, you want in the open. And that's really where the blockchain portions come in. A lot of this sounds like, you know, cockamamie legal theory. When you start using a blockchain, when you understand that every transaction I'm talking about happens on an open, transparent ledger, then then it suddenly comes back into a different reality where all of the people who are involved, they they can check online. They can see that these things were done or they weren't done. So accountability held online with uh, a blockchain is what really everybody needs to understand because that's all a legal system is. A legal system is a legal supply train. Just like, just like anything else you get in your life, you're getting a supply train of law. And most of the time, you're not. Most people aren't using the law on a day-to-day -day basis. So having law that, that's around every day when you don't need it is bad. And having not enough law around for you when you need it is also bad. So you want sure. the, the right amount for you is the only amount that you bring into your life. And then there's the amount of law that the other humans are going to bring upon you. What is that? No murdering, no raping, no stealing. That's, that's basically what it boils down to. So rather than assume it's okay for other human beings to write laws for you, you volunteer to not murder, not rape, and not steal. And your legal system gets way smarter because you've agreed to those things. The manner in which you solve a crime called murder is different when it's not a crime it's different when it's uh, contract enforcement. Because now, instead, you will be held accountable no matter what in a contract. The law is like this game where you have to be accused in the proper manner, and there has to be a chain of evidence in the proper manner to make sure that you are going to get caught. And then you can, you can start leveraging your risk of, I'm going to commit a murder and maybe get away with it, when it's contract law, there will be an investigation and either it will be conclusive that someone was killed and there was a conclusive, you know, however the investigations work out, they work out. But the manner in which someone can go to jail for murder now is legal as opposed to this person committed that crime in three-dimensional space. So there's a lot of... It sounds right. I'm sorry, I'm rambling. No, no, no. It's, it's a fine. little It's a little different. Like the concept of murder, if you if I have to start from there's a dead body, how do we adjudicate? I have to start making declarations. There will be no more murders, at least while we get this one cleaned up. And and you, you like you just go from that point. It's an enterprise environment factor and an operation that you have to have to scroll through. It's not a theory anymore. So rather than dealing with that from someone from on high has agreed that we will not murder, you volunteer to not murder. 
And it makes your life a hell of a lot easier because now you could just push out information. All, you know, anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. Uh, anything you can and say will be used against you to hold hold uh, you accountable to this contract. However, <laughs> anything you say can also be used as exculpatory evidence. So when your exculpatory evidence is on a public ledger, <laughs> the answer is not guilty by de facto. That's how the system works. Sure. It's, it's much... A lot of people, when I say blockchain, they think of privacy. All of the stuff in the public sphere isn't private. So while I could have a big, long talk about privacy and money and privacy and transacting, when we're talking about how is a social organization going to work, there is zero privacy about anything I'm talking about here. So this stuff is very, it's uh, the whole purpose of the legal system is to adjudicate all of these things transparently. So rather than have a bunch of middlemen and closed doors and FOIA requests, all of this is immediately done on the blockchain. And a lot of those, uh, the, the documentation and the, the closed doors, they just go away. The good documentation is open for everyone. The closed doors go away. And it does change the way the system works. That's where a lot of people get their mind blown. And they're like, what do you mean I can see all of these documents? Of course you can. There's no FOIA. There's no mayor to... If the mayor wasn't doing his job, there won't be entries on the blockchain. And if he was, there are entries on the blockchain. We don't have to know if the mayor was doing anything or not by going downtown to ask him. We can check up on him just by the nature of his job being done in the public eye all day long. No, I think that's that's a great idea. And, and certainly, you know, we talk about political corruption and that sort of thing and people you know, getting into politics for the wrong reasons and lining their pockets on the way out and stuff like that. I mean, this sort of puts an end to all of that, right? I mean, everything that, that currently happens behind closed doors purposely and, and happens in darkness purposely, like you said, it just it goes away. So uh, I think it would drive people who actually do want to try and be a leader for people and people that do want to affect a certain amount of change uh, to those positions and and would help keep away some some of the more nefarious folks that uh, that have the worst intentions in mind. This is the lead yourself thing. This is the I'm not. It's the wrecking. It, you're you're saying, but this system says I don't want a leader because they are dangerous, and I am willing to assume responsibility for myself in these things. And I, I keep referring to the eighth grade civics lesson because we all spent on, everybody's off school now. <laughs> and a lot of parents are starting to see what their kids, you know, their kids will get a daily lesson pack for their school. And the lessons are done in an hour <laughs> because they don't have that much to do. So what are they really doing in school all day? They're spending a lot of the time getting shuffled around between classes. So it it's the illusion of progress. The mm -hmm. military is really good at the illusion of progress. And so is public school. You get shuffled around all day. You, for, who sits down and learns something in 45-minute increments? And then every 45 minutes, you stand up, go, and do something else. Like, this is a schizophrenic way to learn. So if you take all your days that you spent doing eighth grade civics, 45 minutes at a time, but it, you just stack them all together, you're only going to get maybe, I don't know, 100 hours a year. And it's really not that hard. Okay, and a bunch of those hours are inefficient hours. So if you're willing to sit down and say, okay, I don't know how this works. Who are the people who knows how it works? It's David Friedman and Walter Block and Satoshi Nakamoto. That's your, so it's your blockchain plus how does a free market legal system work when it's not lashed to a geography. <clears throat> and then Walter Block will lash that legal system to a geography. More importantly, Walter Block will lash it to three-dimensional space. David Friedman will talk about law concepts and Walter Block will say, and this is how it functions on the ground. And that's, and then the blockchain is done for functionally everything and and uh, some of the services are no longer government you know the the merchants will do the roads and security is pro security cannot have immunity 
they have to be legally liable or they will come in like gangbusters and there will be bullets through the side of the truck. So it's, it's kind of like, imagine it, it's the longest family debate you've ever had. You know, that you debate with your family about politics. It's one of those, but it's really just a really long eighth grade civics lesson learned from bottom up instead of top down and electricity instead of no electricity. We learned a system that was conjured up before electricity from the top down. This is post-electricity from the bottom up. Everyone's their own senator. No one is in charge until you put money in a bucket and say, this, this person is in charge of this thing for me. So this is the person we should, this is the person or group of people we shuffle money to for the roads. And they do all that on this open ledger and we keep an eye on the costs and then the service fee slash sales tax of our town covers the roads, but it's all done openly. And the mayor doesn't do the roads because the chamber of commerce does the roads. And we don't talk about roads anymore and we move on to the next legal topic. Do you promise we don't have to talk about roads anymore? <laughs> uh, you know, you'll... <laughs> You'll know more about the success and prosperity of an area when you can't cover it up anymore. And that's what a lot of what we're looking at in this sphere. I mean, I'm almost certain that most of what we're seeing about Corona is a cover up. <laughs> OK, it seems to be a tailor made disease that kills old people or infirmed people. And it's really easy to spread. But it doesn't seem to hurt a lot of young people. And you don't want everybody getting sick. Like flattening the curve is it, that like biological warfare is not an ideological stance. So when everybody doesn't get sick all at once, you don't get a medical system that gets overwhelmed. So I don't like I don't like medical tyranny any more than I like other tyranny. But then there's the flattening the curve part, and it appears that China is hiding a lot of bodies, sure. like a lot of bodies. So th that could be wrong, but. The reaction that American politicians are having makes makes all of the rumors about China having a bunch of hidden bodies a lot makes a lot more sense. What do you think the I hesitate to use the word conspiracy, but what's what's the conspiracy there? Um, if if this is a virus that that predominantly attacks the elderly and the infirmed, is this? You know, you, you can say it off the record or, you know, just postulate. But I mean, do you do you see this as a as a what do I even want to say here? I mean, I mean, is this is this an attempt by some entity or some force to uh, wipe out you know certain political thought or you know, something along those lines just by getting rid of that that older generation? Um, a long time ago, Grandpa Walton knew stuff. And then that he would pass it down to John Boy mm -hmm. while Pa was out in the field. Okay. Grandpa Walton was a nice man <clears throat> and he knew his county, but his knowledge was about the size of the county. And most people don't scale their knowledge. So everybody has a national sphere of influence now, at least according to their news. So everybody's sphere, you know, the, the world in their head is about as big as at least America. And it has a lot of people and it's really confusing. Grandpa Walton didn't know shit about that either. So the fact that we're, you know, this, this generational break, this to me looks like, I think the Chinese Communist Party and what you would call the American deep state or the, the corporate oligarchs or the Illuminati or whatever the hell you want to call them. They're all the same group of criminals. Whoever is controlling the federal government through the lobbying, those people, I think they get along very well with the Chinese Communist Party. I think there's a global economic collapse happening and we needed a full blown panic. So rather than have another SARS thing where you have something that's, you know, harmful, but doesn't spread very well. Now we have something that spreads real well and will make everyone kind of sick, but will absolutely kill anyone who's it's kind of like the albatross around the neck of anyone who's kind of got got bad lungs in any kind of way. 
It doesn't kill them in and of itself, but it makes anything else liable to kill them. So, and again, it's, uh, from what I've heard now, it's 99.9% recovery rate of everyone under 65. Holy shit. That's, that's pretty high. Now, yeah. That now, of course, every every death between the ages of zero and sixty five is going to be carted out in front of you. But when you start looking at the numbers, most of the people who are dying are over eighty. So we're talking about something that really solves a pension crisis. Man, that's convenient timing. So at a certain point, there's a lot of people who don't think the Chinese Communist Party would do that, and I think yes, they would. I, the Chinese Communist Party kills people to stay in power. So the fact that they're hiding a bunch of bodies and maybe did this doesn't shock me. The fact that America happens to find it fortunate timing at all is, you know, the, the American government. The American government has conducted experiment, experiments on people too, you know, Tuskegee, and I, I'm not even going to get started. So the idea that this is beyond the scope of realm and that, that mentioning it is an instant tinfoil hat award? No. No, those are people who are too terrified at the idea that it could happen and the fact that this is all going on at the same time means that it's likely i know that there's a biological warfare hazard in play right now but the psychological warfare is obvious that's obvious that the bullshit is thick yeah i think it's certainly uh that, that's certainly the case i mean Everybody knows that it's, you know, it's a virus, it's easily uh, transmissible, it's, you know, whatever. We know, we know all that about, about the, the illness. We get the flu every year, right? But this whole public freakout that's being forced on us by the governments and the media outlets and all, all of this, it's just, there's a lot of bullshit going on right now. And it's, <laughs> it's a little disconcerting between the virus it's and the panic and the market crashes and the oil war and everything happening at once and you know multiple black swan events on top of multiple black right. swan events it's it's a lot there's something happening right and of course the only cure for this is your absolute obedience and virtue signaling you will wear the mask and you will if you come out in public you will stay home you will do all of the things regardless of whether or not they're relevant it, I understand that this could hurt a lot of people. However, when you're talking about 99% recovery rates, maybe all the young people shouldn't be slowing the economy down and maybe the and maybe we're back to the economic reset problem, which was fundamentally um, done through government incompetence. And you know, the the federal the what the Federal Reserve has done with their money supply and what the Chinese uh, Chinese central bank the bank of japan the ecb and the fed what those four organizations have collectively done with their money supply is dilute everybody on the planet's labor and allow money printing to extract the hour the hours and labor of people from their savings account by just printing the money into existence and spending it somewhere else that's really a monetary lesson if you want to get into it we'll do it but it's kind of a, its own thing. When you understand how money works, you're, somebody is counterfeiting and spending that money while you're saving it for a rainy day. And when you go to spend it, it's only going to spend as half. Sure. And that's going to be the, well, now the Fed's going to take this all the way out. When, when Venezuela prints and prints and prints and prints, two things happen. There's the internal second and third order effects, and there's the external ones. Well, you, if the more of the sec, internal second and third order effects you can get outside of your country, nobody notices them. And if you can get that down to just a manageable number of internal second and third order effects, you make those illegal. And that's basically what the Fed has done for their money printing. Well, when Venezuela does it, it's a microcosm. And they eventually fail because the second and third order effects come home. When the Fed does it, it's on a global scale. The second and third order effects have nowhere to run. So it's it's kind of like Venezuela, except there's no illusion that they have somewhere to go. When, when Venezuela needs a, a refinancing option, they look elsewhere. When the entire globe needs a refinancing option, it's a reset option. 
because it can't it cannot function that way on a global scale. And the Fed the Fed's recently opened up a uh, in it's a it's a repo facility for other countries. So now it looks like everyone else's fiat is going to be cycled into dollars. But I, listen, man, I, my two cents, the fiat system is dying and the feds are making it as equitable as possible. And they're going to make everybody as equal as possible by destroying the dollar. And then everyone's going to, you know, uh, when the German market came I don't like comparing Zimbabwe or Venezuela to the dollar. Those aren't real fucking currencies and they never were. But the German mark in World War One took four years to to, to dissolve. Uh, it, in 1919, it was 180 marks for an ounce of gold. In 1921, it was 4,000. In 1923, it was a million. So that was four years in a non-information age. What happens in an information age where things go across? Yep. That's what's going to, I guess, I'm sorry. I, I know nobody else can see. I saw your head nodding. Yes. When the information age, that shit is going to collapse. So at a much faster rate, gonna, most likely. It's, it, things happen too fast. The collapse. information flows too quickly. It's just, you know, it's inevitable. And as far as I'm concerned, the collapse has already happened and all the money printing that you're seeing right now is evidence that the Fed is going to print everyone whole and then everyone will be standing there at the end with what they think is value. Yeah. They think they have their purchasing power. They think they have an asset because no, when, when, the, uh, when the buying and the selling got done, Everybody was either holding an asset or holding cash. Good for you. But guess what? Now we're right back to where we began, where everyone was holding an asset, but then nobody was holding cash. And when everybody's holding cash, it becomes the thing that starts to devalue. Sure. And the finite number of stuff, the finite amount of stuff on the planet is what will ultimately be. I, I hate the word value, but it will be reevaluated in a different currency. And then a new a new currency, and it'll be a crazy time. The next couple of years, I think, are going to be real crazy because we don't fundamentally think outside of the dollar. It, for lack of a better term, it has a spell on us. It's like magic. You think you know how hard you work for dollars. Somebody else works for X amount of dollars, and they work harder than you, and they make less. So it's all of that work conversion that a lot of Americans don't fundamentally understand anymore and uh, I, everybody's going to get shook up because when you can destroy the unit of measure as a way to steal everybody everybody doesn't fundamentally understand the problem if you have the ability to steal in this way we are losing that money through our ignorance of monetary mechanics we're not losing it through right out fraud so this is kind of like an educational fraud where if you don't know how money works, then the Federal Reserve exists. But when you do know how money works, none of those organs, the Federal Reserve and the ECB and the Bank of Japan and the People's Bank of China, none of those can exist in an educated populace. Nobody uses currency that, that some third party middleman can debase willy nilly. Where do you, where do you park your worth then to, to protect yourself? I mean, do you... Do you run to hard assets like gold and silver? Do you put it in crypto? Do you invest in real estate? You know, what, what happens here? What, what's the, what, what do you think is the best way to do, to do it? The first thing I say is the problem is in the mirror. So the first thing you need to reevaluate and get some worth in is the primate that you're shaving or, or, you know, putting makeup on in the mirror. That thing is the thing that's going to prevent you from losing all your money. The next thing you do is you look at the overall situation. I, I think everybody should have very, I, okay, everybody should have a little bit of gold and silver in a physical way. Um, Catherine and Austin Fitz actually has the best, the best way, and that is you should have an ounce of gold for the guy at the border so you can get the hell out of the country. So um, a little bit of hard currency around you just in case you need to trade in case the whole electronic system comes across. <clears throat> I'm sorry, comes apart. But if you can't send your money across the globe, 
I, I don't see gold and silver ever coming back as this huge resurgence of the, you know, the old money because the old money was shit. It was heavy. It was easy to rob from people. It was hard to come by and it was really hard. You know, it's hard to refine. <clears throat> so gold has a place, but I don't think it's the place that everybody thinks it's going to be. As far as cryptocurrency, I am absolutely convinced that that is the only way that we are going to have global digital money. Uh, you know, we are in, a, in an electrified world. So if anybody wants to take us to pre-electricity, fine, we go back to a gold standard. But if you want to talk about <clears throat> now, <clears throat> we're, I mean, we're talking to each other over the Internet. We're getting all of our information every day over airwaves and or Internet. So the manner in which the money, uh, we, we call it currency now, and we can have an argument about the differences between money and currency. We don't have to get in that. My, my point is we call it currency, almost as if it's an electricity flow, like a river flow. And when your currency does not move because not that many people want it or use it, it doesn't really serve the purpose. You can't take gold to H-E-B. So it doesn't necessarily help you get food. So for all of the reasons that I like, I under, you know, gold and silver allow me to understand money. They don't necessarily give me the best medium of exchange in the year 2020. They just give me the understanding that if my monetary system doesn't have a creation of cost, then some guy will print it forever and we'll all be standing around holding a, you know, wheel buckets, wheelbarrows full of dollars. So I say crypto, I do not say Bitcoin or Ethereum right now. I think there seems to be a lot of evidence that the CFTC bought up a bunch of the supply and has been controlling the market. And when you're trying to, you know, if I am correct in presuming that fiat is dying and I'm presuming that the CFTC is trying to take the crypto system and make it viable for, um, you know, the way Wall Street was doing things is just the way it was. We don't have to call it right or wrong. But if you're going to take all of the wealth of Wall Street and you're going to start pouring it into the free market, then this, the, the systems that they're going to go into, they needed to be Elliott waved. All of the crypto systems needed to be put through a proper, you know, adult financier, um, quant math guy, plus, you know, like a macroeconomic investing guy. They they need to sit down and look at those systems and say, these tokens cost nothing to create. And we are going, we're not going to treat it like Jerome Powell creating money out of nothing. How much these did the, you know, Bitcoin had an electricity cost, plus it had um, hardware cost. Sure. So you start seeing cost of creation there. Well, there are other coins. They also had a cost of creation. But here's the good part. Here's where here's where Bitcoin really saves everyone's ass. All of the other coins, there are coins that have come out, you know, after Bitcoin and they are better than Bitcoin. It's not personal. It's just business. You know, Bitcoin is a prototype and people learned from the mistakes of Bitcoin. So there's no hatred there. It's the granddaddy. And we're all glad, you know, that it's here. All of those other coins, they got traded in Bitcoin. So when the quanti math guy and the macroeconomic guy have to go look at all these other coins, they get to measure it on the Bitcoin and Ethereum standard because all of those other coins traded in Bitcoin and Ethereum. So your quant math guy can figure out what the, how much energy was spent on this coin, what is the base, you know, whatever math conversion you're doing for gold, kilowatt hour, and USD for, you know, all of human history up until... 2010 and then from 2010 you could do kilowatt hour bitcoin kilowatt hour ethereum mm -hmm. and then you do gold and usd for bitcoin and ethereum and you braid all those prices together your quant math guy will figure out what those little shit coins are worth versus the usd versus gold versus kilowatt hour versus bitcoin and and all of that math will function out we'll see who the winners are and that's where i say you need to have a a functioning currency. It has to have um, a high transactions per second rate. Bitcoin is only 10 transactions per second. And there are other, uh, Lightning Network is a scaling solution for it. Uh, wrapped BTC 
is another scaling solution for it. The problem I have with Bitcoin, it needs a scaling solution. That's it. It's it's not hatred, but I man, I take some shit from maximalists because I dare speak out against the one true coin. And if at any point somebody's evangelizing to you about a coin, no. Stay away from evangelicals in all ways. Coins, gods, however you're going to get it. If these people are believers, if they can't explain to you how this how that system functions, stay away from evangelical delivery. It's how politicians work. And and if you want my two cents, I'll give you I'll give you four coins. Uh, ZRX, BAT, LTC, and SYS. But that's, I got a job now. I haven't had a job in a while, so I'm buying a little bit of crypto. And those are the four that I'm going to buy because for, for all of the reasons, like if you want to shorten your list and start shopping, you know, I want to go find out about a system, start with those four. Learn about Bitcoin first just to understand it. But then look at Litecoin, look at Syscoin, look at Raven, look at Bat, look at uh, you know ZRX is zero uh, X. So those ones tend they, they I will state out loud. I think every coin on the backed exchange is worth a dollar. Jerome Powell printed up more dollars today than all of the coins on the backed exchange. Oh, okay, no, it's not. There's there's about a half a trillion coins on Backed. Backed is the New York Stock Exchange platform, and they they put out a tweet and it had about 60 coins in it. So if you take everything that the Wall Street guys put on their platform, it's about a half a trillion coins by volume. So if you add them all up, Jerome Powell printed up more money than that this week. So these systems that have a finite number of coins in them. As far as I'm concerned, they're all worth a dollar, but they're what they're missing is money velocity. Nobody's using them, and nobody's using them because you know uh, people don't accept them in the store. So when when stores, you know, if ever anybody who's ha is having their business turned off by the government right now, you are ripe to just go say, "I am going to take this coin at a rate of one USD." Now, got to watch. You could get arbitraged hard in your business like that. Mm -hmm. But if you if you pick a smart coin that only bounces between about, you know, a buck 10 and 90 cents, somebody in that place, you can functionally switch your business off. And if you have a big business, like if Walmart put just the money velocity that Walmart does in any in any coin. In any coin, all of those coins will be worth a dollar tomorrow. Dogecoin, there is 125 billion Doge. Okay, it is a, it's a long story, but there's a lot of coins in Doge, and five billion are made new every year. So it has this really, it, it sounds like a lot, but it, it's a decreasing inflation model. Well, if Walmart started accepting Doge, Doge would be worth a dollar tomorrow because everybody could spend Doge at Walmart. And those 125 billion would only be added to at a rate of 5 billion a year instead of Jerome Powell's current rate of 125 billion a day. Sure. So well, every uh, one of these crypto coins needs money velocity, but they're already worth more than a buck because they're way, way, way more scarce than a buck. Sure. And then there's a bunch of shit systems. Don't go buy it. Don't go buying a bunch of shit coins because you can get a thousand to a dollar. Don't assume you're going to make a thousand dollars as soon as people, you know, if you want to go, go put $20 into Doge and $20 into Sys and $20 in bat. go, go definitely do your $20 worth of shopping. But until we can get some money velocity across these coins, they're not going to function like that. People will still value dollars because dollars is what someone will accept. And I'm really hoping the whole, bioweapon scare here puts everybody into crypto learning mode. Yeah, You're I've definitely got a lot more homework to do on, on that uh, that front. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you've got a job. I'm recently out of a job. So <laughs> we switched places there. Um, so I've, I've got some time on my hands. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a little bit more research here. <laughs> yeah, that is I, I, like when I got out of the military, I was planning, I like I got out in... Uh, March of 2015 
And I said, I'm not doing anything before Christmas. I just did 19 years. I am going to relax for a couple of months. After that, I started doing school and putting out my, like I put on my resume, but I, I was, I didn't get any callbacks. Okay, fine. And then I started doing school and I found it very useless. And I started taking just professional uh, courses like Kanban and Scrum and PMP, just trying to get a feel of what is the civilian world doing. And then I found out, oh my God, it's not, they're doing nothing. That's the problem. They're being Basically. like, what we, we live like Jetsons in the military. We get tons and tons of money poured on us and we, it's dumb. We're really, really, really efficient. Not only do we get up early in the morning and we keep ourselves healthy so that we can have longer days, but we are then have a bunch of money poured on us so that we spend very little downtime. Like Jeff Bezos spends the reason he, uh, he, he, he spends almost no downtime in his day. All the doors are open. His personal assistant arranges his day so that he walks through a nice scheduled day and maximizes his time in the day. You have no idea how, like, listen, man, I'm walking around in the, in the civilian world and I want to cry because half of these fucking human beings have no idea how to be efficient in their own life and just get themselves some personal momentum. And it's like, like, holy shit, you really don't like there's the learning portion where some people won't get off their ass. And then there's the learning portion where you got to put some money and some time at something. And if you spend that time just making a living and you don't have extra money for that learning, you don't do it. So, yeah, you know, very if you if you stay in the military and you know, a lot of people don't like it. The education you will get in the 20 years that you spend in the military is dumb. Like, I don't even approve of the complex and the DOD and the way this shit goes down. But wow. Wow. The budget will really do you a lot of favors by opening the doors and just. Just having the time to sit down and learn something that's a lot bigger than yourself because you're there. Well, Donnie, we covered a lot of topics, man. Did we uh, did we miss anything? Oh God, I hope so. I hope. Uh, you should probably uh, warn your, you know, in a preamble, tell them to take some Dramamine before they listen to this because we go all over the place. But I guarantee you'll learn at least one new thing, and my book is free. So go. Where can, where can our listeners find it? Huh? Where can our listeners find the book? The null hypothesis of politics dot com. Um. The book is free. There's an audio book and there's a human audio book coming. So um, give it a pass it out for free. Though, like I said, the whole purpose of this is think of it like a special forces mission. You don't like your government. You want to change your government. If you don't know how, none of this is relevant. Your feelings on the topic are irrelevant. So if you wanted to learn how can I get rid of a government in an insurgent like manner where I don't have to ask for permission. 85 pages and it's free. Any other plugs? I have a Twitter if anybody wants to <laughs> chit chat. I'm pretty easy to get a hold of. I've had Can a couple confirm. of places. Uh, there's a couple of places that want like um, college uh, think tanks and, you know, grant projects that have uh, grad students looking for stuff to do. I've had a couple of calls, but I'm really just looking for people who are interested in doing stuff. Coders that want to do stuff on their own, whatever. We don't need permission. We just need to know how. And it already looks like it's coming apart anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. At an accelerated I'm pace, probably. I'm convinced that the federal government died on January 1st. And it, and all there's a couple of dates coming up, but they all seem to be lining up with July 1st. Trump has got something July 1st. Steve Mnuchin just pushed back everybody's report dates for... Um, for the stock market, all those companies, they got their shit pushed back till July 1st or 40, 45 days or July 1st. Uh, tax day got pushed. Yeah. Yeah. So something's up. I don't. <laughs> hey, the CIA was supposed to know like they, their job was to. Hey, when, what is Russia doing? And they didn't know that the wall was going to fall down when it fell down. So I, I'm I've seen Trump. He was delivering speeches on a podium that didn't have the presidential seal on it. I've seen. Some I know of that, that's yeah. a little. 
it's a little pedantic, but when you start looking at all these clues, I don't know if there is a federal government anymore. We're talking about Joe Biden's not going to run. Hillary Clinton's got corona. Harvey Weinstein's in jail. Jeffrey Epstein's dead. Like, we could go forever. There are way so many coincidences in the last 18 months that, I don't know, <laughs> things are changing. Well, we may have to have you back on for a, a run-up to, to July 1 <laughs> just to see what's going that, on. <laughs> that's assuming any of us survive until it, April 15th. Exactly. <laughs> so. All right. Well, y'all know what to do. Please like, share, subscribe. Go find Donnie on Twitter. I'll, I'll drop his information in the, in the show notes. Um, thanks for listening. Tell your mom, tell your dad, tell your dog. We'll see y'all next week. Peace. Cross a 57 Chevy with a hillbilly band. Had a little honky-tonk filled with one-night stands. Take a tell him fire with a gun so steel. Dark house space just to seal the deal. Yeah, top 40 country better watch your back. Cause it's hot rods faster than your Cadillac. 